Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. All is well. All is fine. It's just going to get better. The path of the just is as a shining light that shines more and more onto the perfect day. And he makes a decision. And he says, I'm going to stop listening to the voice of the devil, seeking to drive me into depression. And he's going to stood firm. And he's going to listen to the voice of God instead. Job's wife said something very interesting. There's a person who had a, maybe you could say he's got a reason to be depressed. Job does. He lost a lot. And, but Job's wife, with the voice of depression... When Job lost everything, she said to him in Job 2.9, Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. Now, in that verse, Job's wife used a very revealing word in regard to depression. She used the word in our English that says retain and retain. That's the word for chazak, the Hebrew word, chazak. And that word is extensively used throughout the Bible. And it means to not give up. It means to hold on tight. It's kind of like you could talk about it almost as a chazak hold. It's a real tight grip. It's a hold on to life. It has that meaning, a holding on to life. That's why Job's wife was telling Job to let go of your chazak hold on God and just curse God and die. It's wearing you out. To let go of the chazak hold is to give in to depression. It's not easy to fight against depression. It's not easy at all. It's to, it takes strength. It's tiring. It's a chazak hold. And to let hold of this chazak hold is to just give in to death's pull. It's to die. God told Hagar that Hagar had got to the point out there when she was with her son Ishmael. She'd been um, sent out of Abraham's house into the desert. And she took her son uh, Ishmael and she kind of put him off into a bush there. You know, could think about casting him off. She said, I don't want to see the death of my child. So she let go of him. She put him there in the bush and she went over away. She goes, he's going to die. And what God said to her in Genesis 21, 18 is very interesting. He said to her, arise Lift up the lad and hold him. Chazak, he said, hold on to that boy for his life. Lift up the lad and hold him, Chazak, in thine hand, for I will make him a great nation. So in that verse, we can see the the meaning of the word Chazak. It means hold on for life. Don't give in to death. That's why Job's wife told Job, give up your chazak hold on God and die. Curse God and die. Yield to depression. It's the word that's used to describe. The same word is used to describe when the angel went into Lot's house in Sodom. And what it says there in Genesis 19.16, and because Lot, he was kind of lingering there. He wasn't quite sure if he should leave or not. And so it says in Genesis 19.16, and while he lingered, the man laid hold upon, chazak, his hand, and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, and the Lord being merciful to him, brought them forth and set them without the city. So what happened was that the angel was bringing Lot out of the city of death into this valley of life, if you want to call it that, and that angel had the chazak hold of life, wasn't going to let go of Job's hand. And see, like the angel with the chazak hold of life on Lot, 
It was the hazak hold of life that the Lord Jesus Christ was referring to when he said in John 10, 28, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Why? Because he's got the chazak hold of life on them, on us, on you, on me. And the same he speaks of the Father this way in John 10, 29, when he says, my Father, which gave them me, is greater than all. No man's able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Why? He's got the chazak hold of life on them as well. And when depression comes to us, God says that we need a chazak hold on God. He says, let him lay hold on me in Isaiah. That's the word, chazak. He says in Isaiah 35, 3, he says, strengthen ye, chazak, strengthen ye the weak hands and confirm the weak knees. See, chazak is the word that Joab used to his men before they were going out to this battle against the Syrians when they were in great danger of being slaughtered. And Joab turns to them and encourages them. And he says in 1 Chronicles 19, 13, 1 Chronicles 19, 13, where he says, be of good courage and let us behave ourselves valiantly. Chazak, he said, for our people, for the cities of our God. And let the Lord do that which is good in his sight. When he said, let us behave ourselves valiantly for our people, let us chazak hold on to life for us, for our people. So we shouldn't die. To not yield to depression is to have this chazak hold, this fight for life. God's happy with us when he sees that. He knows the pressure that we're under. He knows the pressure that we have that come to us sometimes through depression. And he's happy when we have this chazak hold on him. And he talks to others about it as well, as he did in Job 2, 3, where it says, And the Lord said unto Satan, said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? There's none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and is evil, is evil, and still he holdeth fast his integrity. He chazak is holding his integrity. It's tiring for Job, but he's got it. Although thou movest me against him, destroy without cause. So God was saying to Satan, look at my servant Job. Just look at him there. Look at how hard he's sweating with his chazak hold on life. He's not going to let go of me. He's not going to let go. He's fighting that depression that's leading him to hate God. Because depression doesn't sit still. Depression is progressive. It moves into deeper progression. It's like a quicksand. It generates darkness. It generates more darkness. That's why depression has to be fought against. That's why the word chazak was used by Job's wife. Because she could see he was fighting against depression with this chazak hold. And David, in his chazak fight against depression, he turns to God. He hopes in God. He says, he's the health of my countenance. And with all of that, he's got this chazak fight through the clouds of depression. And I'll get to the sunshine of praising God. Now, Naomi was threatened with depression when she said, the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. She's deceived. Like the song we heard this morning. She doesn't know this blessing there. Can draw her close to the Lord and another one as well. But depression comes from being deceived. And Naomi, it appeared that it, it, what it appeared like, like the song said this morning, didn't appear like it really was. Didn't appear like it was going to be. And that holds true for us as well. We have to always keep in our mind simple truths. God loves us. How do we know God loves us? Because of Romans 8.32. He said he spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not also with him freely give us all things? See, these words, he spared not. 
are very important because they, it shows that God the Father, he thought long and he thought hard. Let's see, should I spare or should I not spare my son? And he was at these crossroads. God the Father was at the crossroads of decision. He's got to make a decision. On the one hand, God the Father thought about, maybe I should spare my son. And he thinks, on the other hand, he thinks, maybe I should spare not my son. And the basis for God the Father's decisions is simply this thing is the same for us. Would it be worth it? Is it worth it? And so God the Father thought, is it worth it to give up my son? What will I gain if I give up my son? What will I lose if I spare my son? And the God the Father saw giving up his son. You know what I'll gain? I'll gain lost sinners becoming saved. I'll gain dead sinners coming to life. I'll gain ruined sinners becoming rebuilt. I'll gain defiled sinners being cleansed. I'll gain sinners without hope getting hope. I'll gain alienated sinners becoming friends with God. I'll gain sinners at war with God making peace with God. I'll gain sinners destined for hell changing their destiny to heaven. I'll gain sinners tormented in the flames of hell for eternity, becoming saints in the pleasures of paradise forever. God the Father saw this vision that he gave to Ezekiel of dry bones, and he saw them coming together, and he saw the life coming into them, and he said, no question about it, all this can be a reality if I spare not my son, I've made my decision, God says, and he says, and he takes this vital decision, spare not Spare not. And when he did that, God the Father said to accomplish salvation, to accomplish new life, to accomplish redemption, to accomplish new birth for lost, 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 lost sinners is worth every drop of blood of my son. And he said, I won't spare him. And the Lord Jesus Christ said, for me to accomplish all the same is worth every drop of my blood. To accomplish the same. And therefore, he said in John 10, 17 through 18, therefore doth my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. And for us to see God the father in this light and God the son who said redemption and all that comes is for those three words we see in Romans 8.32, for us all. And when we see that, it gives us the ammunition we need for the Chazak fight against depression. We see God the Father saying that. We see God saying, it's worth it all. Then we've got the tools that we need. And the second Timothy 1.7, sound mind reasoning from the eight, Romans 8.32 to fight against the depression with the argument, God didn't spare his most precious son. There's nothing that God would say, no, I don't want to give him that. Oh, no, that's really valuable to me. Are you kidding? He doesn't do that because he'd already given his most precious So what Naomi did not see was the constant care of God. She wasn't focused on the 40 years that the Jewish people had wandered, as David said in Psalm 84, 11. The Lord God is a sun and a shield. And that goes back to the 40 years. He was for the the fire by night when they needed some light, the cloud by day to protect them from the sun. It says the Lord will give grace and mercy. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. She didn't see that the Chazak work of God was God taking care of us, holding on to us tightly. 
She didn't see all the things working together for good in Romans 8.28. All these Hebrew words. Anyway, the weaving together of a holy oven, Betzaleel, as they made the curtains for the tabernacle. She didn't see God sitting down like a holy oven, Betzaleel, weaving the colored threads. And God is weaving the events in our lives to work together for good. She didn't perceive in 1 John 3.16. We perceive the love of God. Because he laid down his life for us. That's where we get the ammunition when we see. And this was manifested the love of God, 1 John 4, 9, toward us because that God sent. There's the meaning of Messiah. His son, his begotten son into the world. And he affirmed that. That's his meaning when he said, he said in Matthew 20, 28, the son of man came not, Messiah, into the, to be ministered under, but to minister and give his life a ransom for many. It was really the whole meaning behind the John 3.16 is a Messiah verse. And he gave his son, he left. And to us, when we read these words that Naomi said, the hand of the Lord has gone out against us. Ooh, it triggers something in us. We said, what did she say? She said she's referring to the hand of the Lord going out. That triggers something we want to say right now. We say, no, Naomi, don't say that. Because the hand of the Lord has a special meaning for us. It's not going out against you, Naomi. Quite the opposite. Because when we think of the hand of the Lord, we think of John 20, 25, where it says, the other disciples therefore said unto him, we've seen the Lord. Thomas, I don't know, that's my name, what can I say? But he said unto them, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand to his side, I will not believe. Believe what? Believe the love of God. Hereby we see, perceive we the love of God. It's the print of the nails that made him believe. The hand shows how much he loves us. It never goes out against us. And when we're tempted to be like Naomi and say the hand of the Lord has gone out against us, stop. Because the fact is the hand of the Lord proves his love to us. And so in John 20, 27, it says, Then saith he to Thomas, Reach, reach hither. Put your finger, reach to thy finger. Behold my hands, he said. In verse 14, we're in the book of Ruth, by the way. <laughs> in case you forgot. <laughs> anyway, okay, we're over here in Ruth. 114, and we're having a good time. All right, I hope you are. I am. So anyway, verse 14. They lifted up their voice, wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, and it doesn't say it, but this is what it means, and turned back. But Ruth clave unto her. Now this verse shows an elegant manner uh, between Orpah and Ruth with the words, Orpah kissed, Ruth clave. Orpah kissed, Ruth clave. Orpah had a human love, or what in the Greek is called phileo. And she expressed that human love with a kiss. But Ruth, she had a different spirit that caused her to cleave to Naomi. And now we're going to discover what made Ruth have this different spirit. What made the difference, because that's what the whole passage is pointing out to us, what made the difference between Ruth and Orpah? All right, now, Naomi turns to Ruth and says in verse 15, she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people, unto her gods. Return thou uh, after thy sister-in-law. So up to this point, nothing has been said about about gods. Gods. The word is Elohim, but it's not Elohim. It's just, it's another, it's the, it's the false Elohim. Elohim's a plural word. Anyway, so she said, return to thy gods. And she says, look, Orpah, she's done that. She's not just returned to her people. She's returned to her gods. 
and her false, her false Elohim. Okay. And so now Naomi, she, when she says that, she brings out the sting of it all, the sting of the truth into Orpah, what, what she's done in deciding to not go with Naomi. Orpah has decided to return to her false gods, a fatal decision, a, 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 a tragic decision for Orpah. Reminds us of the warning in Hebrews 10, 38-39. Hebrews 10, 38-39. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them that draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. So as with Orpah, keep wanting to call her whale, Orca, but it's Orpah. <laughs> Got to keep saying that to myself. As with Orpah, so it is with every person that draws back from the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just a drawing back to her people. It's a drawing back to perdition. And so Naomi saw this clearly, that Orpah has not just decided to return to her people, but she's decided to draw back under the perdition of her false gods, to returning to her false gods. And Ruth also saw that clearly, that Orpah had made that tragic decision to draw back to perdition to her false gods. So Naomi's statement, behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods, brought it very clear focus what had happened. Orpah, by returning to her people, was drawing back unto the perdition by returning to her gods. And to go with Naomi and her people was a going on to the true God of Israel who gives eternal life. So when Orpah kissed and returned, because Orpah only had the phileo, human love, for Naomi, then God is not interested in half-hearted believers who have a weak commitment to follow him. So Naomi tries to push Ruth in verse 15, she said, Behold thy sister-in-law, she's gone back to her gods. Go, go, return with her, go back. Now we see Ruth's response. And a response in Naomi's push is in verses 15 through, she said, go back. And Ruth says in verse 16, don't bug me, she says, and that's another way to put it. She says, entreat me not. That means don't bug me. She says, don't, don't push me. Don't entreat me not to leave thee, return from following thee after thee. Whither thou goest, I'll go. Whither thou lodgest, I'll lodge. Thy people should my people, thy God, my God. Whither thou diest, I'll die. There I'll be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also fall. But death part me. See, the response of Ruth, you can never understand it unless you see it in the context of the meaning. These verses are the most common verses in Jewish weddings. I remember going to a Jewish wedding, and they had the chuppah, and the canopy, and our friend had embroidered this on the, for her daughter. It was very beautiful. But that's not what's really meant here. And you got to see it in the reality of the context, because it's expressing more than human love. And the key to seeing this is the last part of verse 16, where she says, thy God, my God. See, the statement before it says, thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. And when you read that in the English, you think to yourself, what she's saying is that thy God shall be my God. But that's not at all what the Hebrew is saying here. What the Hebrew is saying, the Hebrew is not saying thy God shall be my God. The Hebrew is saying thy God is my God. That's what she was saying. In other words, Ruth was saying, I'm already like you, Naomi. 
a follower of the God of Israel. I'm already like you, Naomi, a believer in Jehovah Jesus. I have no more interest in returning to my people who are not followers of the God of Israel. So your people who are followers of the God of Israel, they're going to be my people. Naomi, you were the person who taught me and led me to follow the God of Israel. I want to know more about I want to go on with the God of Israel. I want to follow him more. There's no way I'm leaving you. And in order for me to know more about God of Israel, i got to be where you go. i gotta, I got to lodge where you lodge. I'm going to end up dying where you die. And all this shows that Ruth had the agape love for the God of Israel that far surpassed the Orpah's phileo love for Naomi. And that's why Ruth did not return to Moab, but stayed with Naomi. And what we're just seeing here is an illustration of what the Lord Jesus Christ meant when in Matthew 12, 47 through 50, Matthew 12, 47 through 50, where he said, one said unto him, Behold thy mother, thy brethren, they're standing outside, they're desiring to speak with thee. And he answered and said unto them, told them, Who's my mother? Who's my father? Where are my brethren? Who are my brethren? He stretches forth his hand toward his disciples. He said, Behold, my mother, my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of my father which is in heaven, the same. It's my brother and my sister and my mother. Romans 12.5. So we, we, being many, are one body in Christ. And everyone members one of another. It far surpasses family. Uh, physical family. For we being, First uh, Corinthians 10, 17, First Corinthians 10, 17, for we being many are one bread and one body. We are all partakers of that one bread. See, Ruth saw herself as already united with Naomi into Jehovah Jesus, and this far surpassed her desire to go back to her people, her Moabite people, And so she's saying, as far as her love for Jehovah Jesus, there's no comparison. Nobody can compete. Matthew 10, 37. He that loveth father or mother more than me, he's not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me, he's not worthy of me. So by following Naomi, Ruth saw that she was following God. And when Naomi saw that this was not a matter of Ruth having just a phileo human love for her, but it was a matter of Ruth having an agape, you can't break it, love for God. Then Naomi, she stops. She stops trying to persuade her to go back. That's what it says. It says when she saw, verse 18, when she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, she left speaking unto her because she saw. Master, what's the great, oh, sorry, Matthew 22, 36 or 37. Matthew 22, 36 or 37. Master, what's the great commandment of the law? Jesus said unto him, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. He said that man must, when he said the word love, he said agape. He said, you love that way, agape for love. In John 21, 15, they dined. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, you love agape, thou me more than these? And then he says, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I phileo, I phileo love you. And he said to him, feed my lamb. So the Lord was used that word agape to describe for Peter, you need a better love. You need a better love for me, Peter. A love that Ruth had for the God of Israel. And so he leads him along. I'd rather have Jesus than silver. Sing with me. Silver or gold. Sing to in the right key. I'd rather have Jesus 
than riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses, houses, or lands. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hands than to be the king of a vast domain and be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that we can have Jesus because, Father, you didn't spare him. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher Tom Cantor in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.